Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What is going on, Boat Sports fans? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here with another edition of FN Sports, podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. And tonight, we're going to look at the Hall of Fame class that was just announced by Sham Sharania from The Athletic on Twitter. I'm joined to do this by fellow 2000s hoops enthusiast, Ryan Rodriguez of Billy Sports. Ryan, how are we doing? <laughs> doing well, Parker, and exactly right. Fellow 2000s hoops enthusiast. Perfect. I think I most identify with Ryan on the 2000s thing because we both recognize when someone was wearing tj ford-esque shorts like yeah. <laughs> who, who was that who was that that we were talking it was uh the coach from Sheehan. St. Peter's. Yeah. yes oh man dude <laughs> the biggest shorts ever it looked like he had like the triple xl and ones on <laughs> and if you don't know the famous tj ford picture you probably didn't watch basketball in 2000s and yes, that's okay yes, yes. <laughs> well is it okay is it okay <laughs> But on the whole, it's interesting because we we're just talking off pod that we're starting to get to the point where multiple people getting inducted in the Hall of Fame are people we really watched, right? And not like watch like, oh, I watched, you know, I was born in 91 and I watched Michael Jordan like I, you were or I was eight when he retired the, first, the second time, right? Like, and those kinds of things like I, I went back inside and I think Ryan agrees that the first Hall of Fame class that I remember watching multiple players in it with some seriousness was 2016's when they had Shaq, Yao, and Iverson, some of 2000's best, right? Like, yep. like Iverson, it, you weren't watching basketball in the early 2000s if you were not an Iverson fan. <laughs> I, my favorite player of all time, so <laughs> guilty. <laughs> As a Rockets guy, obviously there's all the Yao Ming stuff, uh, international connections to the game too. Shaquille O'Neal dominates the early 2000s in a way that is hard to like fathom because like i don't know it's hard to like be like hey cover Giannis plus 75 pounds like i, like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't i don't know what to oh, do it's like a Giannis. yeah it's like Giannis with double mb well not double mb size but like a super enlarged mb like it's crazy yes Shaq was crazy and he's the owner of the greatest highlight in nba history when he dunked on chris dudley and pushed him down and then chris dudley threw the ball at him that is <laughs> I mean, if you do that, you're an all-timer alone. Yeah. Well, and so one of my, like, as a Rockets guy, the thing I talk about Harden is that, like, they change rules or whatever. 
they invented this whole defense and had to change how they call fouls because the only way to stop Shaquille O'Neal was the hack-a-shack, right? Like, like that kind of a thing in the dominance he had in the early 2000s. Long story short, we obviously would both give Shaquille O'Neal to the Hall of Fame an A+. This Hall of Fame class, as Sham as just announced today, as we're recording this on Thursday night today, doesn't have all A-pluses. <laughs> like, no, um, no. And so we're going to start with Swing Cash of the WNBA, start her WNBA career out with the, I, I believe the Detroit shock, which becomes the Tulsa shock, which then becomes the Dallas wing. So I feel like I ought to have some hometown connections there, as a, but I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I look at the, her WNBA career and Ryan and I, again, in preparing before the pod, we're both like, it looks okay. Like I, I wasn't watching a lot of WNBA in the early 2000s. Um, it wasn't the same kind of televised product either. I, I don't mean to like give myself too much of a pass, but like I can watch the WNBA games today on ESPN. I couldn't do that in 2004. Ryan, as you have studied Swing Cash here, <laughs> why the totally. lab? What's your grade on her Hall of Fame induction? I'm going to give it a C minus. Woof. You're, I'm giving my students way more benefit of the doubt than I think you are. I, I think I'm giving this a B. I, I will say like to her credit, it does, you know, she was on the WNBA 20, the WNBA 25th anniversary teams. So I think that people that pay more attention than I gave her some credit there. Um, True. Here's the real question though. And I know you're a fan of the same kind of content I am. So this will strike a certain chord. Is this a Yukon bias? Oh, oh, oh. Um, it, ver- it very well could be. It very well could be. Um, that's always, it's always a, an issue there for sure. If, if you know what I'm talking about, a podcast released on Wednesday for those, uh, for those interested. <laughs> but I guess maybe I was a little harsh because then I completely blanked on the 20th and 25th anniversary team, which does say something. But when I, when I look at a resume, and again, like you admittedly was not consuming a bunch of WNBA content, content in the mid-2000s, she was only two-time All-WNBA all and a four-time All-Star. And I do like from my Hall of Famers a little bit more like higher echelon play. Now, the thing you always got to remember with the Basketball Hall of Fame is it does take into account college. But I was even looking there. She was a... I, I, I don't want to denigrate this is going to sound horrible, but a one time all American. Um, <laughs> she you, like, but no, that's right, really hard to do. But for the Hall of Fame, you'd expect one, right? I, yeah, I, I, exactly. Um, she was most most outstanding player in a final four and won two, two national championships, you know. So, like, it's she's obviously, I would say, is like on the cusp, but it, I guess to me, it's not somebody that I'm like Hall of Famer. And I guess usually when I think of Hall of Famers, that's what I, I it's like, you're either Hall of Famer or you're not. And she would be on kind of, it seems like kind of that gray area and me trying to keep an exclusive hall of fame. I'd probably tip no in that, in that instance. I will say we're including college here. Cause you know, th- that will be your boy. Carmelo's claim to this too. Is this Syracuse year, right? Like, like college is part of this. Yes. Swing cash that senior at UConn team had herself, who is now a hall of famer. It also had Sue bird and Diana Taurasi, who I would assume would also become hall of famers and then asia jones i think you know in clicking on things it looks like was also you know a 
couple time WNBA All Star. So like, like that mm-hmm. was an incredibly good college team that yeah. like went thirty nine and zero and was super super looks crazy. I wonder if she's the first like domino of those women to get to the Hall of Fame. Like like if there's something I'm missing having been all of 11 years old when they played. And again, it, this was not the same televised product that women's basketball is today. Is, is there something there that I'm missing because I, I didn't watch that as closely? There might, I, she was the sec, second pick overall as well. So clearly like the decision makers in the WNBA thought highly of her, that highly of her coming out of college as well. So yeah, I mean, could be uh, some young and uh male biased <laughs> of not of <laughs> well, not yeah. watching of not watching the WNBA in the same way that we'll talk about some of these other guy men later and we did watch much more of them well and I will say like in 2020 so 2020 had Kobe it had Duncan and Garnett it also had like Tamika Catchings who has played in the time when I would have been paying more attention to it and I was like oh yeah like obviously she's all a famer I just don't have that grasp of the earlier part mm-hmm. of the 2000s with her and statistically it looks like her career changed a lot sometime around like 07 08 right and and that's fair jumping to things that we know maybe a little bit more about i i was going to start with a guy that didn't start and i think that's the fun part of this mono ginobili made it in i i had arguments with people online when mono retired about him being a hall of famer and i think people overwhelmingly kept saying if you don't start, you can't be in the Hall of Fame. And like I was like, that was like the cliche line. I think Mono Ginobili is a Hall of Famer. I give this an A. I'm, I'm very high on Mono Ginobili. I'm high on the idea of a sixth man. You chuckled a little bit. <laughs> I don't think you are. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna. I'm not going. Oh man, I'm gonna give it a C plus. And the reason that I will say this is in my mind when I think of hall of famers and also and but which manu falls in also the fan favorite type of thing and almost more of a cultural touchstone i mean like to, we we've talked and and those will rise from i mean we mentioned iverson earlier he's a cultural touchstone that gets held in i would say higher regard because of like just because of their impact like there's this certain a certain connection they make with the people that watch the game and for me, and even while I understand, I know Kobe said about Manu that you know, he has like that quote where he's like, that's the dog, you know, and if yeah. you're getting that, if you're getting that quote from Kobe, you know, obviously that's going to carry a lot of weight in circles, you know, for true fans of the game, so on and so forth. But I guess for me, like a Hall of Famer, you, again, you have to care, you carry a certain level of responsibility being a Hall of Famer. And for whatever reason, first pop and then Manu decided that he wasn't going to carry that responsibility for the Spurs to me that kind of it doesn't say anything about your talent but the you know, the counting stats and that kind of stuff do matter in in my opinion for the Hall um, of Fame for specifically yes yes right. for the Hall of Fame not even irregardless of like I can say I can understand that you might be really good and you're playing in a certain situation or in a certain context and your numbers aren't as good. Uh, I totally get that. And, and then obviously what he did in Argentina counts like for like 20 American gold medals, what Argentina did, you know, like that, like that's (laughs) the Olympic stuff. I, (laughs) for those that aren't connecting with what he's talking about here, Argentina is the team that infinitely beat the like 
sorry 2004 Olympic team in the United States, right? When the United States gets bronze, it's the one time they've lost in a bajillion years or whatever. That that's Tamanu and Luis Scola of Argentina, right? Like that. Mm-hmm. that Frigioni. Frigioni know, was on that team, right? Nocioni. Um, or no, Nocioni might have been. No, he was probably on that team actually. I I do think that Manu is probably the only Hall of Famer from that team. Like he's yes. the flag. Like yes. he's the flag bearer. And he, so. So I guess this is like my thing. I think you do have to carry a mantle, but I kind of do like that somebody like Manu gets in because it is saying like, we understand basketball on a deeper level. And I think that is a good thing, you know, I, and I'll I, let you take it. I'll let you take it. From <laughs> I think that's fair. I think it's interesting that, so I, I pulled up a calculator because I'm a history teacher, not a math teacher. And he, started in exactly 33% of his games. Like that's a weird thing. Like exactly mm-hmm. a third of his games. There were two seasons that he started in nearly every game, uh, 2004, 2005 and 2010, 2011. Now, both of those are like influx weird. Like if you're watching the Spurs, 0405 is after Robinson. They're changing things up, right? 2010, 2011 is right before the run with where they're playing the uh, heat twice and those kind of things. So they're changing these up and then he gets to start for a while. Those two seasons he started, he was an all-star and all-pro, right? Like mm-hmm. the knock on him in the other whatever many seasons this is, is clearly he didn't start, he can't be an all-star. He didn't start, he can't be an all-pro because his statistics in a per 36 sense don't change a lot. His statistics, yeah, I was going to say they're probably pretty similar. His statistics in a per 100 possessions don't change a lot. His statistics in a per game or total sense, like you mentioned, do take a hit when he's not starting i i value the sixth man and this may be me being a basketball coach i think there's something to be said about a guy that comes in in the middle of the first quarter and like kicks it up a notch either if you're playing like dog crap he flips the switch and wakes everybody up or if he comes in and you're playing great they like he doesn't let the other team breathe for a second right like there's something valuable about that and integral to the spurs had two decades of dominance like he was a, he was a part of that in a way that I think was unique and identifiable. And you mentioned Kobe, like guys that played against them commented on it. He also is a very memorable player. Like he was creative and funky and hard left all the time. Those kinds of things like are, are memories that stick out. Obviously like he also like caught the bat or that one thing, right? <laughs> the passing. The <laughs> yeah, passing. but he was a great like, passer. Yeah. And that's what, that's where it comes to me. It, like his game was cultural. Like it, it touched basketball culture on a level that goes beyond stats. And it, it like you watch Manu play and it makes you feel like connected to the game, you know, for lack of a better term. It's like, and it's like, man, I want to watch that guy play more. And he affect and he affects the game in both like hidden and visible ways and with flair. And it's like, so on that level, he is a total packet. And that's why I, I wouldn't like anybody that wants to argue for me, for Manu, I'm not going to like really argue that much against them because I, I completely understand it. But again, it's like, I don't know, you got to carry some certain level, but maybe that's the thing. He didn't carry the responsibility to be an all NBA player, but he had the talent and production in his role to be a hall of famer and maybe that's a maybe that's a good distinction for somebody like him and and then you touched on my last point on him a little bit again big fan of his here so i admit that there's some bias in this i think it's important that he's a foreign basketball player and i think 
there's an extra or different importance in that he's not a European pro basketball player. Um, he did play professionally in Europe before coming to the NBA. He played in Italy a little yeah, bit. He didn't even come over till the NBA till he's 26. You know, so that right. that even that does I will say because it is international, and I'm I didn't look up his Wikipedia, so and it doesn't say on Basketball Reference, but I'm assuming he was pretty damn good when he was in the Italian league, and that is also going to matter in this as well. Well, and I don't have stats, but qualitatively, I think that things are saying the same. Uh, what what I guess I look at though is that like on a bigger, the same way Yao Ming expands the horizons of the game to Eastern Asia. And the same way that Hakeem Olajuwon opens the gates for all of these Northern and Central African big men to come to the, like, there's something to be said about expanding the game to Latin America. Now, we, we don't quite have the influx of Latin American pros in the NBA in the same way that like, we're seeing a bunch of African big men coming into the league a couple of decades after Hakeem. But I, maybe we're just not there on a timeline yet. Like, I don't, I don't know how that works. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think, I think you are right there. It's almost like a little bit of a contributor type thing as well. And, and that is where, the, where basketball is different than even though, like even separating the Hall of Fames when it comes to our football and baseball in the States is – that that international contribution is so much more uh, prevalent, you know, with just like the things that basketball has done, even with understanding, you know, baseball in Latin America and a little bit with Japan. It's not it's not in the same way as basketball has become in the last since 92, basically, since the Dream Team. Yeah. Well, uh, and I think the other thing that's interesting in looking at basketball versus baseball, and I don't mean to cut you off, is that like Roberto Clemente was also a clear cut Hall of Famer on the field right mm-hmm. jackie robinson was a clear-cut hall of famer in the way he played Je- like they were hall of famers not just because of the lines they broke or the walls they broke lines they crossed i mix up metaphors but you, you know what i'm saying right like mm-hmm. they were already going like talents yeah. alone was going to also make mm-hmm. them a hall of famer ginobili kind of walks that line like i mean he's questionable I'm, i just looked on i looked on wikipedia he was first team all year league one year italian league champion he was a three-time Italian league all-star. He was two-time EuroLeague finals top scorer. He was a EuroLeague champion. He, and he's 50 greatest EuroLeague contri- contribu- contributors of all time. So I think, I think it's safe to say, looking at it a little bit more, that Manu's early career augments what happened in uh, San Antonio. And we, we can say he definitely raised his game in the playoffs and took on that more hall of fame type responsibility when it came, when it came to the playoffs, as opposed to the regular season. And, and I know that's why him and pop talked about coming off the bench was like saving his body partially because, from himself being too reckless. <laughs> <laughs> he threw it around. He threw it around. Yeah, exactly. Which again, goes back to why so many people love Mono. Yeah. And so I think with, I think with that, it, he's got definitely some, some things where it's like, it's hard to argue against him. Well, and, and like, if we're looking at international guys in a bigger picture sense of how they added the game, I think Tony Kukoc being inducted in 2021, right? Like there's something to be said about that too. And that, Vladi Divac. And Vladi Divac's and uh, but Kukoc was a six man of the year, right? Like he was, he spent extensive time as not a starter. He was very good, but he spent ex- extensive time as not a starter as well. And it, it didn't hurt his case. And I, I, I don't know. I, I like Manu. So I admit that like, 
part of this is I enjoyed watching him play. I'm mm-hmm. happy to see him get this. I, I, you, you said it, and so I'm stealing your words. It's kind of cool that we think of basketball people as smart enough to get why he's this good, right? Like, like that's important too to me in a way. When you said he's that, smart. I didn't really put it in words. That, that was clever too. You identify as a Bay Area guy, so we're gonna jump to the Bay Area next. <laughs> um, uh, this guy, admittedly, is one that you know maybe you didn't watch him play as much in the Bay as much as you saw him play other places, but. Or I guess we've all seen his son play a lot recently. Tim Hardaway Sr. is in the Hall of Fame now. Ryan, what's your grade on that Hall of Fame induction? I'm going to give that one a C. If, if, I, I gotta, if I'm giving Manu a C plus, maybe a B minus, then I got I to gotta give Hardaway a C. I well, have to. I, I also think I'm going to be down around a C. So you're, an, you're a Bay Area guy. And to be fair, he left the Bay Area kind of before – you and I would have been paying attention. I mean, he left the Bay Area in the middle of the 95, 96 season, if I'm reading this right, right? Like You are reading that correct, yeah. Theoretically. all five years old. Right. Like, I don't know how beat up you were about the breakup of Run TMC. I always had the impression that he was not the biggest part of Run TMC. He was one of the trio, but he wasn't, you know, trio in the same sense, like if Jordan, Pippen, Rodman. But They're all three Hall of Famers now, though. <laughs> They are all three all famers now. Well, so are Jordan Pim Robin. A um, little bit different trios. The the thing I'll say though is that when he goes on his own in Miami, he has a couple all-star seasons. And Miami was was really good at that like turn of the century time. And I think because they didn't get to a finals, win a finals, et cetera, we kind of forget about that. But he was a big part of them being good. And so a guy our age, Ryan, probably thinks more of like the bad year in dallas or the worst year in denver or whatever right as what tim hardaway was someone who's a little bit older than us probably remembers a very explosive point guard we both gave it a c talk to me about why what why should he be in why should he be in um well the tim hardaway crossover was known to even us like by the time (laughs) we were coming up we we knew that the, the tim hardaway crossover was one of one of the ones so, so that, that matters. Um, I, I mean, he, I look, he's, he's a five-time all NBA player in the nineties, which, and his rookie year was 1990. So we'll, we'll cut him a little bit like, Hey, it t- takes, you know, a year or two to get your feet wet. So from 92 to 99, he makes five all NBA teams and he's 18th in assists in his career and was on, like you said, some really good, but ultimately kind of snake bitten and not great. Miami Heat teams and again like run TMC you get a nickname like that you're touching a little cultural touchstones <laughs> right there again that, I think that stuff does matter especially in basketball they care about that more so well and it's it's the basketball hall of fame so it is mm-hmm. like the bigger picture of basketball correct correct so I think be, I think because of that I could see you know again like you said of not having watched his game why a slightly older an older millennial compared to us would be could make that case for Tim Hardaway you know I don't, I don't want to like go like too in depth on him because like like you said quite like I didn't watch him enough so it's it's more just kind of like reading here you know hearing about things seeing some highlights you know knowing kind of some of what his impact on the game was and so yeah I could see it but I I just the basketball hall of fame man it always seems like they're just kind of giving things away 
Well, and, and I will say to his credit, as I'm going through to double check my math here and cross-referencing what year he's on what team, until he leaves the Heat, he only has two losing seasons as a player. He's a starter across the board. And while I think of him as the third part to Mitch Richmond and, and Chris Mullen, like I, I, I do, he was a part of what they did in Golden State that had the success that it did. I, he, of the players, because the next couple guys are some coaches, he is my lowest grade of the players. If you were like Ainsworth cut one of the players that, uh, that Sham said is going into the NBA hall of fame. He's the one I'm cutting. And, and I, I, I don't actually feel that bad about it. I should shout out that this is a UTEP product. Like, like he has a crazy story because frankly, guys from Chicago don't end up at UTEP very often. No. And guys at UTEP don't end up in the NBA very often. And, and frankly, guys from, UTEP certainly don't end up in the NBA Hall of Fame very often, right? Outside of the, the the people from the Glory Road movie, like how many guys are really talking about post-merge of the NBA ABA are we looking at that are really Hall of Famers? That That is a cool story to include in this. You mentioned the Hardaway crossover to our younger listeners that might not remember that <laughs> what, what what are we referencing with say the hardway cultural impact in the hardway i mean it was just like you know for for like you said for someone like us he left the warriors at when in 96 so we're five years old you know so the next couple of years you're starting to come of age and like trying to like actually play basketball and that was like in the bay area something that was still left over uh from from tim hardaway being there it's like you know it wasn't it, it wasn't a fancy crossover or anything and I, I mean I remember it a little bit when he was on the heat too but it, it was just a tight quick crossover and the explosion that you had mentioned earlier uh out of it was something that allowed him to be five-time all-nba point guard and so you know just that it was like one of the ones along obviously with like Iverson at the time that is like that's the crossover that you want to have except Iverson's was more of the I'm going to bring it out here and then snap it back on you where Hardaway's was much more compact and quicker so that's the, I think that's the difference is that was like, he had his body in a crouch. And so it was like, mm-hmm. boom. And I don't yep. know how to auditorily describe this. So this isn't great for a podcast, but there was like this, like he crouches down almost like a track sprinter, like, like, you know, like the way mm-hmm. he gets down the blocks and then bursts out. Anyway, uh, it he's, he's unique. And, and I think that, you know, maybe we're being young hater people on that. Speaking of someone who's not very, young but probably is an old crotchety hater of sorts bobby huggins big bob huggins is in the hall of fame now huggins coached at cincinnati for a while and then more recently has been the coach at west virginia gotta remember he was at kansas state uh, wasn't he i'm double checking my years here was he yes, not he a, coached michael beasley thank you that's what i was gonna say was he at kansas state for michael beasley which is quite a pair of characters not just because you're a Michael Beasley fan, Ryan. Talk to me about do you, what's your grade on Bobby Huggins making it into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm going to give Huggy Bear a B. Give him B. I think a B is a good grade on this one. So, again, showing off our ages here a little bit, I admittedly mostly watched him in the Big 12. Um, he was only, only in Cincinnati a couple years while I was really watching national level college basketball and frankly he was kind of in a little bit of trouble at that point in Cincinnati so 
I, I understand at the big 12 level, right. How he like rejuvenated Kansas state, how he turned since how he turned uh, West Virginia into this like 40 minutes of hell style basketball, where they're like all pressure, all over you, all over you all the time. And that's like became his calling card there. You're not a big 12 guy. You spent some time in Texas, but you're not a big 12 guy. What do you think of when you think of Bobby Huggins aside from track suits? I, I think of, I do, I do remember him at Cincinnati and thinking like, man, this team in this random conference keeps being really, really good. And, and they legitimately were, I mean, they're one of the top uh, second tier teams, basically, you know, when, in the late nineties, early two thousands, when, when we were growing up. And then, I mean, anybody that can coach Michael Beasley to 27 and 14 in his only (laughs) year in college, that's a pretty good coaching job. I will say that. (laughs) And then he goes over to West Virginia and they make a final four. Uh, They upset actually Kyle Perry's first Kentucky team with John Wall and uh, Bledsoe and cousins. And yeah, I mean, like West Virginia, really they had like, some good years and the good years they really had was because they had John Beeline as their head coach. And then they had Bob Huggins as their head coach. And, and those, and those are, I mean, come on, it's West Virginia, like whether it's in the big East or the big 12, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter. That's a, that's going to be a tough place to recruit. And so I think like for that alone and the, the success that he, that he did have there, like that's, really good. I, I mean, Parker, he's got 900 wins and a <laughs> six, six, nine, seven winning percentage. Well, and his 900 wins again, for better or for worse. And I, I hesitate to pause. I don't really know how to put this. They're not at basketball programs, right? His 900 wins are not at Carolina. They're not at Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. They're it's not Akron, Cincinnati, Kansas state, and West Virginia. Right. And he gets at Cincinnati, a guy like Kenyon Martin to show up like mm-hmm. player of the year in 2000, like can number we one look draft at, pick. Right. Can we look at like, was there maybe some sketchiness going on on the side? Yeah. Who cares? Is that, is that sketchiness allowed now? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, so if we have fixed our morality in a sense that we're like, eh, that's not so bad. We allow it now. I think we can understand that like, well, it was against the rules or whatever. Like it's not like he's a bad person. For that there might be other stuff he's not a bad person for that I, I mean I, what about him going to the final four with west virginia and i don't think parker that they had a pro on their team i, like, I know deshaun yeah. butler was their number one player and yeah i'm looking at their devin ebanks was their second best player right they did not have they, they he went to the final four and beat like granted they were all fr- freshmen and then Patrick Patterson as a sophomore, but like he, he was doing it with like, not like sweet talent all the time or, or helping coach sweet talent into being really good. Kenyon Martin. Um, I do remember, I don't know. Do you remember Steve Logan? Who's the point guard for Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and he was a ball. I think he was like all American, whatever he did to recruit that. Uh, Michael Beasley out to Manhattan, Kansas. Michael Beasley thought he was going to Manhattan, New York, hit the blunt too hard, and ended up in Manhattan, Kansas. That's the best explanation for how Michael Beasley got to Manhattan, Kansas. I've ever thought of. He got on the wrong plane. He, he his eyes were fu- his eyes were red, fuzzy. You know how it is. And uh, he got yeah, Michael so I, Beasley from Maryland, off the East Coast to Manhattan, to Manhattan 
Kansas. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That you couldn't even make that up. Parker. So, so yeah, I think for that, uh, and, he, and he's got a great nickname, Huggy Bear. Come on. I mean, he, he's, he rocks his <laughs> turtlenecks all the time. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's uh, all around again for the culture. The other thing I'll add to this, and this is kind of a very separate aside with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the big 12 and Houston, Cincinnati, BYU and someone else to join the big 12. And I forget the name off the top of my head right at the moment. It's about to be a basketball conference. And it's worth pointing out that this conference that will have Kansas, it will have Cincinnati, it will have Houston, it will have Texas tech. It will have Baylor, like a very strong basketball conference will have three schools that can tie some of their best or most successful moments to Bob Huggins, right? Like that's three basketball programs that before he got there were not basketball programs of any kind or not notable ones can tie their best years to him. I think that's important. And I think that frankly, while Cincinnati is the only one that had any kind of stick, like Kansas state's kind of gone back to being Kansas state since he left. And it feels like West Virginia will probably do the same. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that that is worth, pointing out as well where you look at like impact on basketball as a coach um because as a coach you have to do it differently than a player right you can't just break records i mean yeah. i guess you could do the wins record good luck like, like i don't know how how else you do it you know i guess he got different coach of the years and different conferences and whatever and you can add up accolades i i assumed i guess that he played in the pros i i, I didn't realize that he got cut in tryouts with the sixers did you have any idea he apparently didn't didn't make it as a pass. I guess I assumed he played. He's a big guy. I, uh, I, I never even thought about Huggy Bear playing. I would just look at him and be like, ain't no way that nose is playing out there. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we'll cut that. I don't know. <laughs> George Carl is our last of, of, I guess there may be more other outlets reporting that this is it for the Hall of Fame class. George Carl is our last admission in the 20. 22 class and so only because i know he's coached some of your best players i'm gonna again cede the floor to you ryan what do you grade the induction of george carl into the hall of fame screw that guy uh i'm being so mean mean. no i would give george carl a i don't think you can get a huggy bear grade I'm going to throw him in with Manu and give him a C plus. And I'm going to feel pretty, pretty solid about that. That's fair. I'm low on this. I, I, I think that he's an interesting guy. I, I, we're going to get into some, some players instead about him as well. I'm sure because of who the players are, I'll, I'll pass it at like a C minus. I think it's interesting when I pulled his Wikipedia page to make sure I didn't forget anything. I don't guess I realized he spent you know, half a decade internationally coaching because I think of him as bluntly, I think of him as a Bucks coach and a Nuggets coach. And then I guess he coached the Kings recently. Again, we were born and I was born in 91. He coached the Sonics in the nineties. So we both alluded to it, but because I know you are a particularly big fan of some of these guys, players have interesting, have interesting things to say about him, Ryan. What are players of his saying about him? He sounds like a d- <laughs> Like he just, he, I mean, for lack of a better term, he sounds like a my way is the highway type who also has no time for anybody saying anything otherwise to him. And he's going to talk to you 
while doing it, which we've, if you pay attention on Twitter, you've seen his, his Twitter or just like, I mean, honestly, snide remarks he's making about players, not even naming them, even though, I mean, he's <laughs> subtweeting them. He's a 70 year old subtweeter. And like that, Although, that shout out to a seven year old that knows how to use Twitter. True. Like, true. And knows how to subtweet. <laughs> I mean, the, I, I will say this petty hall of fame. Yes, for sure. Petty hall of fame. For, for sure. Petty hall of fame. Him and Russell Westbrook can go in, in the first, first ballot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, now, I mean, he obviously had, a, I mean, a lot of success. He made it to the finals with the Sonics. Uh, he also was the first eight seed or one seed to lose. <laughs> yeah. uh, I also looked, he made the, if my math was right, he made the playoffs 21 times and lost in the 14 round or it lost in the first round 14 times. And that's kind of like, I mean, I don't know. I would like to see a little bit better than that you know ultimately he he stuck around for a long time he won a lot of games made a couple conference finals you know Mm -hmm. and you know so it's not like he like didn't do anything he won a coach of the year and then immediately got fired which he blamed he blames on andre iguodala sabotaging him again like he's i mean that i for me it's it's always been with george carl's like why it seems like you never just are going to accept anything is something with you now we've been talking about college basketball. Well, he was first team on ACC Parker. So don't, uh, don't <laughs> it think, all and, counts. It's the and, basketball uh, hall of fame. Second team, all ACC. So don't, don't sleep on George Carl getting some accolades. What's funny is I assumed Huggy Bear played in the NBA. I don't guess I'd clicked that George Carl played at all. He played and in I, the, and he played in the ABA, I believe. Yeah. So he played on the Spurs. First, played in the next, and then I have a, a career history listed with the Spurs. He played North Carolina. He was apparently pretty good. The the thing I'll say when I look at Carl, and maybe it's the same part of being a jerk that makes him a good player, is like Kenyon Martin spoke out very adamantly on Twitter against George Carl, calling him an uh, awful and coward coach. More to come. There weren't a whole lot more at Twitter, but like <laughs> talks about you know does Kenyon Martin senior does not like the way that George Carl talked about Carmelo Anthony's defense. Well, like if anyone would know how Carl coaches, it would be, you know, from the nuggets days, it'd be uh, Kenyon Martin. I, I guess I, I think that I carry that. Like I weigh that stuff, you know, I put something on it. I, you don't, I think it's interesting that when that kind of stuff comes out, it's not like guys from his 90 Sonics teams are coming out to defend mm-hmm. them. Right. Like, yeah. And, like, I mean, but you would think like, I mean, Gary Payton, I never heard Gary Payton say anything about George Carlin. He's got an opinion on everything. So that's right. interesting. Positive or negative. And, and yeah. so maybe that's the neutrality that I'm, I'm lacking here because theoretically, if I don't know, if someone came out and said something bad about pop, we would hear from some spurs about mm-hmm. pop being not, not pop being a better guy than that. If someone said about Phil, you get some Lakers and bulls guys coming out of that. Like, theoretically a hall of fame coach may have ruffled feathers i, I don't mean to they wouldn't but someone's going to stop and say yeah but yeah he had some really good years with us here or like, like even you were a king's guy like adelman made it in the hall of fame last year the year before right mm-hmm. like there are people in houston that feel some kind of way about the rick adelman houston experience but there will be people from sacramento like yeah he's the best guy we ever had right like i mean like, the kings have only the sacramento kings version have only made the playoffs with him as the coach literally right 
Right. And, and <laughs> they've like, only been over 500 with him as the coach. <laughs> like that is impressive in and of itself. And I guess that that's the kind of thing I've never really gotten for people from Carl. He had great teams. Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, fun, right? The, Glenn Robinson, think, Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, fun. Fun. I was going to say the, I don't know, can you call them the Denver Thuggets anymore? But those Nuggets teams. Yes, we can, Parker. Okay. <laughs> yes, we can. Yes, we can. Those Nuggets teams with all the braids, all the swag, and frankly, TJ Ford links shorts, all the fun. I got I, I will say, fun. I will say as much as you're probably, you might not run into very many more uh, bigger Carmelo and Allen Iverson fans, but it also would probably be pretty difficult to coach. <laughs> to coach. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, guys, can we play a little bit more defense and chuck up a few less shots, please? Oh, all the mid range off of ice dribble, oh, dribble into a mid range off the ice. So, but that's when they had those like silky, uh, baby yeah. blue nuggets jerseys too oh beautiful man. uniforms and, and then, one game they did beat chris paul by 50 points in a playoff game in new orleans and let me tell you that was a highlight of, <laughs> uh, of the season for sure and so i guess i guess there's part of me that as a guy that advocates for players it's like burr this is a guy that players spoke really negatively of there's also like i guess Again, I went Steve Minus, I did pass it. At the other end of that is like, yeah, but his team's pretty consistently won, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can let the personality stuff, like, I think the results have to be kind of that number one. And he's got those, you know, yeah. besides the title. Besides the besides title, title, he, worth pointing out, he did win and just reading some stats and bona fides off, he did win over 11, almost 1,200 games. Uh, had a winning percentage of 58 58.8%. So like on the whole, he won a lot more than he lost coached for a long time. Um, he did get fired twice. Did get fired twice <laughs> for better or worse, perhaps one time, but Andre Godala though. Right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, I guess, I, I guess it's just that like, it's a guy I maybe don't like as much that is um, doing this. Mm-hmm. That said, like, I, I also never played on those teams. Uh, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm going off what people have said and what players have said. As we're looking at this, we, we've commented that, like, guys from our generation as fans are starting to make it in the Hall of Fame in, like, multiples. There's no longer the one-offs. Not that, <laughs> not that they won't ever make the Hall of Fame. Is there anyone from this era of basketball, like, 98 to 04 that you're like i can't wait for that person to make it in 98 to 04 that hasn't made it so you're saying like their prime was then yeah like someone that was a when we are first watching basketball yeah like a culture like okay let me think about this man i don't know because like iverson already made it that would be number one for me (laughs) like times a hundred <laughs> um <laughs> man you're putting me on the spot like this parker so you got any yeah i got i got i actually got two i got two so first one i'm gonna go with is as chris broussard would say rashid wallace uh, <laughs> just because a he has an nba record okay that automatically should vault you up now what's the record say the record it's a it's 41 technical thousand 80 games how that is possible <laughs> I don't know, but kudos, kudos to him. 
he had he had a really good college career at North Carolina. I believe he made it one final four. So he got that. He has a OG bald spot. Uh, um, he is a member of the one game for one, a team Hall of Famer, Atlanta Hawks. He was there for one game <laughs> in his weird uh, from from Portland, Detroit. He was won an NBA title. He walked out with a WWE championship belt after they won the title. Um, he has a Hall of Fame saying, ball don't lie. He also helped the Knicks get to the second round of the playoffs in 2013 as well. So I'm going to give him that, help my boy Melo, or yeah, 2013 it was. So for all those reasons, I got Rasheed Wallace as one guy. His speech would be phenomenal. Um, his speech would be good. His speech would be really good. He wore high top Air Force Ones, but like not the not the uh, traditional ones that you normally see, but the ones with like the... Uh, how like, would you describe the strap? That it, like you could remove it. It was a remove. Yeah, it was like, or it, but he would just have him dangle in the back. Of course, almost like almost yeah. like boxing uh, boxing shoe uh, tassels. So for all those reasons, and he was like, I mean, he never reached the talent or like production that you would think, but he was one of those guys. I mean, kind of in a Manu mold in a way, where it's just like he got the game on another level, and when push came to shove except for the time he doubled off Manu and let Manu hit or Robert Ori and let him hit a uh, game clinching three in the finals. He was playing like so cerebral. Uh, it was like just a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch. So Rashid would be one. And my second one, Ron Artest. Ooh, he's a champion. He is a champion. He won defensive player of the year as a wing defender. You know what? All right, keep going because this is funny. If, if we value defense as we should, not right on offense, but like for what three to five years was probably the best defensive uh, wing at the very least in the league. It was like him and Ben Wallace as the two best defensive players. He actually is the one who broke Ben Wallace's th- or three out of four DPOYs. He was really good on offense for a time. Well, and and I will say, even in the waning years of his career, his game aged particularly well on offense. Well, um, he was kind of smart, too. Well, there are times I would argue against that. Uh, I, I, also, <laughs> yes, no, he he was both. He was, he was, he was a wild card. <laughs> What's funny is I think that as you talk about Ron Artest and Rashid Wallace, when you said the one game on a team club with the one game with Atlanta, what I thought you were going to say is, that Rashid Wallace was involved in arguably the most memorable game of all time. As also was true. They test. both were. They both right. were. You picked both sides of that literal fight. Yeah, I, um, well, I, I, we, I guess we should say a Hall of Fame uh, moment in NBA history. So it's in some Hall of Fame. It's yes. It's in some Hall of Fame. I, I, since we've been talking and thinking, also came up with two. My first is Chauncey Billups. I'm a firm believer. Man, we're, we're really sticking to this Malice in the Palace theme right now. Yeah, that's, yeah, not on purpose. Um, no, but it really, like, finals MVP to me should be, and, you know, we'll talk again about Andre Iguodala in a few years, I guess. If you were determined to be the best player on an NBA Finals winning team, I think that's worth saying, even if it's a one-year peak. He was a three-time All-NBA guy, also two-time All-Defensive guy. I think the deal is, is that we're clearly in the same 
someone off of that Pistons team needs to get in. Like that was a, and Didn't I guess Ben Wallace already ben Wallace in? is in and good. And, and like, I guess that team was an iconic team that defined a style of basketball. And, and I think that that's where I'm at with Chauncey. He also had good years in Denver. I don't want to sell those short either. I would also put on the same jacket and fight for uh, Tony Parker. One actually my second Tony guy. Parker will get in. But but my thing with Tony Parker is kind of a combination of Chauncey and Manu, and, and he might get in. The guy I think that might not, that I would argue might should, is Amari Sotomayor. The Ooh, same way that I think that those sons, those one way to play basketball was the way that those Pistons teams played, the way that that paper, Pacers team that our test is on played. The other way to play basketball was the way that the Suns played. I mean, the and, team that they led the charge out of that era. Well, and I'd argue that that Suns team, because of D'Antoni and Nash, and so like seven seconds or less basketball is more like what they play now or the last Mm -hmm. decade than anything else that happened from 95 to 05. And Amari's versatility as a big was a big part of, no pun intended, was a big part of that, right? Like he was the only true big man on the floor and he played all of the type of rim protection defense you'd need dominated as a roller was on a the- force and especially after he came back from the uh the retina surgery he yeah. what his mid-range became like he started doing so or no and it was the micro it was the micro fracture surgery on his knee actually yeah and but his he became a really good pick and pop guy as well where like you said younger his diving to the rim was unstoppable well and he he was a dynamic force in the air but he also like was strong and, you know, I, I think that those things are all important. I also think that, you know, he's the greatest Jewish basketball player of all time. Is he not? <laughs> like, like, like that, that's got to count for something. <laughs> if we're talking about cultural impact, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I, you know, he also, like, to be fair to his upbringing, I, he converted at some point in his life, right? Like he he also You're killing college. me. That was great. <laughs> he went that was to so good. Multiple Christian academies. I think it's worth pointing out in an era where like you're seeing high school kids change high schools every year. He went to six high schools in four Dude, years. I, well, um, David Thorpe, who's from like the Tampa area and stuff, he was actually just a couple of weeks ago. Amari got brought up on his podcast, and he was like, "When I saw him play, he's like." I was just like, I don't know how he's going to do it, but it was like kind of what you said. He was like, I knew he's like, I knew he had bounced around. He's like, he had no fundamentals. He was bored with where he was playing because he was too athletic. It was just like, and he's like, that's one of the guys that I look back on and I didn't see it for reasons beyond simply basketball. And he was kind of talking about it. That's what it was. Cause it was with Anthony Edwards. He was talking to, he's like, sometimes these guys are so talented. They get bored at the lower levels. And he's like, as much as me as a coach and talent de- uh, developer want to see that fire inside mm-hmm. of him. He's like, sometimes I have to take a step back and like realize that they're young kids still. And that mental fortitude that we might want them to have in certain situations isn't there yet, but it doesn't mean they can't get there. And it doesn't mean they can't be good enough once they get to the NBA to be a dominant player. And Amari, I mean, Amari came into the league and was rookie of the year, I think. And then the next year Nash got there and it was, let's go. I was rookie of the year, all rookie. And like I said, the next year they add Steve Nash and they win a bunch of games. And so 
I don't know. I, I think that that's all important stuff. So I, I, I guess that that's my couple guys. I guess I kind of had a third if you call it the Tony Parker half, but I think he'll get in at some point. Yeah. Um, I do. I will say this maybe in my last thought of all of this is I do think as fans, we should always remember that maybe if a guy doesn't get into the hall of fame, do not let that diminish from how much fun you got from watching them play. Like the, the don't let like the don't let the Hall of Fame define like oh maybe he wasn't as good like who cares like uh, some of these guys and we'll, and even now is we're still seeing you know in the two in the twenty tens we're gonna see players that don't get in that were like you know but I still love watching that guy play and and it was a lot of fun definitely Ryan speaking of a lot of fun you run a football podcast and what has to have been the most fun football off season ever tell people where to find you where to find that show and all your stuff yeah so uh the coastal connection you can find us on spotify apple google uh we just we came back after a month and a half hiatus um because obviously like parker said with trades and free agency and just everything that's been going on it was uh a big big last couple weeks so we uh we did we ranked our uh the three teams that have excited us the most after all these moves looking forward to the next season and then three teams that we through late free agency in the draft, we will kind of want to see them maybe add a couple more things to going into the season. So yeah, that just dropped. I've been real lazy on my belly up writing lately, been kind of in a, in a little transition between jobs and it kind of just been like chilling. So I, I will get back up on that. So you can find me on belly up NBA for, for all that stuff. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the thoughts of R2. I'll, I'll randomly tweet something out there every now and then our, our old editor in chief here gave me a, an a plus for for one of my one of my recent <laughs> tweets <laughs> so that was good <laughs> no i think the twitter i th- frankly you're i'm more of a volume shooter in twitter uh, <laughs> so i i appreciate when when you throw it because thoughts of r2 isn't a frequent account but i think it is it is a good time you you can obviously we're joking about my volume shooting on twitter i'm on twitter and instagram at painsworth 512 that's p-a-i-n-s-w-r-t-h 512 all one word again i tweet a lot i am of the mindset i guess that's what twitter's for and i'll take the shotgun approach to if anything ever sticks um this show is on instagram and twitter or on instagram at f underscore in underscore sports and on twitter at f in sports two that's f-i-n-s-p-r-t-s number two all one word both of those bios will have links the link tree we can get to all our sponsors and merch store and stuff like that so make sure you go oh, check vote for f and sports out. and the belly up oh we are still podcast depending podcast on when you yeah depending on when you're listening to this i guess if it's after friday at three o'clock things might have gone south but as it currently stands we are in the third what round belly up press belly right? up media belly up media is the yeah Make sure if you're listening after three o'clock on Friday, you like, subscribe, download, rate, review, do all the wonderful things to help out the podcast. And whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash teamready. Ready.